Welcome to IdeaGen TV's Dynamic Resiliency Summit. Today we are honored, privileged, and truly excited to have Tony Towns Whitley, President of US Regulated Industries at Microsoft with us. Tony, welcome. Thank you, George. It's great to be here. Tony, you have inspired so many across the planet with your leadership at Microsoft. And clearly between last year and this new year, it's been underscored how connected we all are when it comes to societal issues. We all want access to things like healthcare, education, and government, and really good government, and a sustainable environment as well. Tony, what do you see as the role of companies like Microsoft in impacting societal issues? And where are you focused on moving that needle? Well, George, first of all, thank you for this amazing opportunity. And you know the partnership with your organization is so critical for who we are, Microsoft, who we aspire to be, and the great values that you bring in this partnership. You know, I have the opportunity for Microsoft to engage across five key sectors. You mentioned a few of those across government, federal and state and local government, across healthcare, whether that be life sciences and pharmaceuticals and or just commercial healthcare, payers and providers, the opportunity to work in education, K-12 and higher ed, as well as being able to work with financial services, insurance and capital markets and banks. Everything that's regulated in the U.S. is within the purview of what I get the chance to do with Microsoft every day. And it's from that perspective that I can speak to what we've seen over the last 10 months particularly. What we've learned, three things I'll start with about how important this connectivity is that you bring uh, in the question. One is digital leadership. That we have learned that it's not about just what we build. All the innovation is important. We build it. We continue to bring innovation to every aspect, every sector I mentioned. But part of that equation, George, is not just what you build, but how you build it, building it in an ethical, transparent, compliant way, thinking about um, the infringement or potential infringement of that technology on human rights, thinking about bias that might be introduced, racial bias, ethnic bias, and algorithms that are developed. It's about how you build compliantly, transparently, and then who you build for. How inclusive is the technology that you're bringing? How will it reduce, if you will, any di digital divides between us? How will it enhance and create a dividend, particularly for individuals who may be marginalized in society? And so it's in that construct of digital leadership that we have been growing as a company and having many, many opportunities to apply this learning in the market and in across the U.S. Specifically, we've also learned how important our support for nonprofits uh, has been. This is part of the DNA of Microsoft since 1983. We've been supporting nonprofits. And we give, as you know, about 1.9 billion in grants, software, all types of support to about 150,000 nonprofits around the globe. But it's become even more important to understand how we develop the capacity of these nonprofits through digital skilling and ways that we engage so that all of them can participate in the digital economy. And then lastly, I'll just maybe mention on the sustainability front, you know that we have been focused as a company on really understanding our carbon footprint and making some commitments. We've made commitments to be carbon negative, one of the first tech companies to do so by 2030. 
and to be fully historically carbon negative, take all of the carbon that we have that we have uh, sort of left in the planet by 2050. Uh, we've talked about being water positive. We're working so diligently on this connected planet understanding of the role of technology organizations in the commitments we make to sustainability. And we believe that we're trying to set the way and set the expectation across our industry. And this is part of, if you will, the new connected expectation of our industry tech sector. Incredible. Incredible to hear the breadth and depth of all that you are doing. And it's important to remind our global audience that we all stand on the shoulders of giants. There's a giant that I personally always look to now more than ever. And his leadership and his words, former Congressman Lewis Stokes, our chairman emeritus, who was in the room when we created IdeaGen. And I always look back to the lessons that we learned on empathy, civility, that ultimate responsibility and how he always said to me, George, you have to work within the system to change the system. And I always thought about that and all the lessons that he brought forth, especially leadership. And so Microsoft is leading, leading on so many different levels, Tony, and you're the embodiment of that. You're leading with empathy, civility, trust, all of the key elements of leadership that folks really appreciate and need, quite frankly. And so I know that Microsoft is extending its civic responsibilities by engaging in social impact selling. How would you define this? Yeah, you know, to be honest, I don't think there's a formal definition. We've been loosely defining this as the intersection of technology and civics, if you will, civic responsibility. Uh, I kind of loosely talk about civic tech digital leadership. These are all sort of word memes to help us understand that it's not just about what we build, how we build, who we build for, and then how do we drive towards and even measure our success in terms of social impact. So we've been We've been partnering with the Global Good Fund, just a great organization that has so much investment around the world in bringing innovation, social innovation, if you will, to address social ills and social challenges. So we've been partnering with them to really do three things. First, to impact the communities where Microsoft employees live and work, to understand what impact looks like in those communities, to help us look at tech beyond the delivery of a solution. But what else is needed? You know, we learned this, for example, when we were delivering devices in Shelby County, Tennessee, the county, the educational county that encompasses Memphis, Tennessee, where we delivered 95,000 surface devices, but it was way beyond the devices that were needed in this very diverse and economically challenged county. It was about driving towards literacy and improved educational outcome. So it wasn't just the device. We had to take our stores personnel from Microsoft retail stores and create help desks to help parents educate their students, help parents and help schools and administrators understand the technology. It wasn't the hardware. It was the adoption of a new way of thinking and using tools. And so we've been really working on, working on bringing this kind of technology capability and digital skilling. And then finally, how do we just bring up our own social acumen? Like, how do we understand what impact looks like with technology? So we've been working with, uh, I've been working with my team. We've got our first cohort going through to actually get certified in these areas 
and really ensuring that as Microsoft goes forward, the next iteration is not just solving the business problem at hand or solving the government public sector problem at hand, but looking how that problem is an extension or there's a root that's really sitting in a social impact challenge that we might be able to influence with the technology adoption that we're driving. That's absolutely incredible. And, and you know, as our current chairman emeritus, the former United States Surgeon General, Kenneth Mortsugo always says, you have to connect, collect, connect, and nurture the dots, which is exactly what you're doing at Microsoft. And we would be remiss to not also mention the fact that you with your leadership and Microsoft as a company are the embodiment and the definition of dynamic resiliency. That ability to see around corners, the commitment to partnerships in good times so that when things become interesting or difficult as they have in the past year with the global pandemic, you're able to help people. You're able to help those communities as you just incredibly articulated. And so what are the obvious and maybe even the unexpected benefits that companies can realize through their engagements with social impact selling? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting when we think about this, we've been talking about resiliency for the last 10 months and we've sort of almost um, decomposed it to talk about resiliency leadership resiliency, mission resiliency, this idea that that the mission has continuity. And as you talked about tech resiliency, that the underlying tech is there. And when you start to bring these together, they create, if you will, a much stronger fabric for social resiliency, for our societal issues to be addressed with that grit and that grace that's needed, if you will, to keep moving forward. How does that help a company? Well, we, we feel particularly that it's helped our brand. As you've mentioned, Microsoft is becoming known for our work in sustainability, our work in accessibility, our work with various audiences uh, for digital skilling. We also know that about 75% of the employees who are just, who are thriving in so many of these research uh, studies that have come out most recently, they, they indicate that employees connect mission and social impact with their own employee experience, that they believe that purpose-driven technology is what sort of motivates them, retains them in the industry, and allows them to progress their careers. So what you what we feel like we're doing for society is also a benefit for our own employees. I think it was a 2016 study that found that about 57% of the U.S workers consider their company's societal and environmental commitments when they decide where they're going to work, when they decide where they're going to stay and build a career. Uh, when it comes to millennials, that number jumps to 76%, which is not that surprising to us who have raised some of those millennials, that purpose-driven work drives employee satisfaction. And that's another sort of outcome of making these decisions. You know, when we when we just double click on some of the statistics, we realize that it's not just about the brand of the company and the satisfaction of employees. It's also about growing a company. And there's so much research that indicates doing good actually is quite profitable. You can grow markets and build 
uh, and, and grow share, even in doing things that have the, the deepest and most substantive societal impact. So we think there are many benefits for companies in our industry and across industries to engage more and more, not only in social impact selling, but what I'll call the sort of broader definition of civic technology. I love that. I love that. You know, doing good and a company doing better uh, should not be bifurcated because you can do more good when you're doing better. I mean, it's just... It, it's it's elementary on some level, but that connection that Microsoft has made with doing good, serving those communities and the employees in their daily lives and meeting them where they are is just profound. And that leadership has set the bar. You've set the bar so high to change the world, as we like to say. Changing the world is not easy. If it were, someone would have done it a long time ago. But gosh, you all are doing it in a way that is is just empathetic and embedded in everybody's leadership in the company. It's, and that's what we see. And that's what we're so excited about in working so closely with Microsoft, with IdeaGen. And so where do you see other organizations using technology to make these ethical business decisions that help tackle some of these societal challenges in parallel? You know, it's across every sector. You know, I could pull out a few examples for you. If I went to consumer packaged goods, I would go to Procter & Gamble. You know, I did an internship with P&G years ago, uh, starting my career, and I'm so proud to see the work they did on the look and the talk. If you haven't seen those two campaigns, George, I'm sure you have, but those are two campaigns that were really, quite frankly, groundbreaking to speak about two aspects of the African-American experience in the actual branding of PNG, exposing and highlighting that there is a different experience for African-Americans, how the look, the physical interaction of being perceived by just uh, your race, and the talk that we have as African-American parents with our children, uh, as we the talk we've received from our parents about how to be safe in America, how to understand racism, how to understand nuances, how to stay alive at times. All of that was brought forward in a PNG uh, commercial series, if you remember, relative to how they expressed uh, their own brand and changing their own brand relative to selling to African-American communities. Uh, Lifeboy, which was a soap, uh, you know, the, pri the premier line product line under Unilever, uh, Lifebuoy soap was really introduced in a hand washing campaign across Africa, Latin America, Asia, really during the sort of the spread of the various uh, diseases, particularly the last pandemic. They really brought forward their product line and created a way to talk about hand washing customized to those communities, to those audiences that I thought really helpful in driving the health and sanitation and hygiene message so important through the pandemic. And then, of course, I could just speak to Starbucks real quickly. You know, what an organization. Most recently, you may know, uh, George, that they have, I think they've assigned something like 11 employees with expertise in labor and development operations and research to work full time on vaccine distribution in the state of Washington. You know, work, they've just taken them offline and said, you're going to work directly with the state on how to manage uh, this sort of vaccine distribution. Different ways that companies are showing up in their product line, in their branding, in their, uh, if you will, their willingness to, to commit some of their own resources or their own 
employees to social issues at hand. That's what we're seeing left and right across the board in every sector, just a couple that I've mentioned. And those examples are so powerful because it talks to the alignment and that bar setting that your leadership is helping to set. It's creating that ecosystem, creating the expectation, Tony, that companies not only can, but should show up, show up because they can. And when they do, they can do even better and then ultimately do more good. So it's, a, it's an incredible circle of good and changing the world effort that you just described that just is so powerful and what a powerful moment. And so while we know it's the right thing to do, clearly, and it can be hard to measure this traction in something you know that you described. So how do you think about what success looks like for organizations and for this effort to do good? No, I, I look at it, uh, George, in terms of sort of concentric circles. I think at a macro level, we want to see that the communities that we're serving are thriving. If we as a technology company, as one of the largest technology companies on the planet, are providing digital capacity, digital skilling, providing innovative tech, we want to first know that the communities we're providing these services to the companies that we're providing these services to, that they are thriving. So whether it's the community that surrounds a company that we're supporting, a partner that we're engaging with, or directly a community that we're serving, that they are in fact benefiting from the technology in a very inclusive way. Second, we can get down to sort of product-specific outcomes. I mentioned the Lifebuoy soap example um, with Unilever because I thought it was interesting that they were able to then track the infant mortality rates, right? They were introducing hand washing as a sort of as a practice that they were really branding and putting a positive spin on so that we would address uh, diarrhea, dysentery, all the various issues that were driving infant mortality. So they were able to measure the infant mortality rate drop in the areas, in the target audience areas where they had been marketing Lifebuoy. They also saw the increase in Lifebuoy sales and the actual product sales. It became, I think, their lead consumer packaged good product under Unilever. So you could lo look at sort of product launch and, and, if you will, the trajectory of that product growth, as well as the impact of the communities and the branding exercise that was directed for specific audiences. As we invest Microsoft in digital skilling, and we've made a commitment. Uh, initially, it was 25 million uh, that we were trying to bring not only digital skilling, but also a way to certify that skilling with a very inexpensive way to certify capabilities and then the ability to link to employers. We've made a commitment that will be 40 million around the world by 2022. And so our goal is to drive digital skilling. We're going to be able to measure how many of those individuals actually end up, if you will, taking advantage of that skilling with certifications and then hopefully the employment that would follow that certification. So where we measure, we measure. Where we have less direct correlation, we look at the macro sort of um, satisfaction or growth or the thriving within the communities we're trying to serve. And I think it's the combination of the macro and the micro here. As we get stronger in this area, my hope is that 
uh, you know, we start to look at 10Ks and annual reports of companies over time that they start to measure and report out results to their stakeholders in terms of social impact. That's to me, the aspiration that we should all have social impact as a reporting measure that we're all held accountable to. Tony, you know, it's not often that I'm speechless, but uh, it's breathtaking to hear the incredible range and focus and dedication and leadership and empathy, all of these things combined to create what is incredible inspiration by what you're doing and the bar again that you're setting at Microsoft, not only for the company, but for all of your vendors and partners across the world to truly change the world. And you're changing the world and you are the definition of dynamic resiliency. George, I don't know about all of that personally, but I will say I'm super proud to be part of Microsoft and the commitments they've made and how we're following through on those commitments. But I just have to say, I'm also super proud to be part of this partnership with IdeaGen because organizations like yours help drive the, if you will, the inspiration for what we need to be, the aspiration for what we should be as a company, that this is the kind of partnership that sort of tightens on itself where we both, both organizations have the synergistic opportunity to be better to be better than our best ideas. And so thank you. Thank you for the partnership. Thank you for what IdeaGen does every day to just inspire every member of Microsoft. It's our honor and ultimate privilege. Tony Towns Whitley, President, US Regulated Industries at Microsoft. Thank you. Thank you for your leadership and thank you for all you're doing to change the world. Thanks, George. Have a great day.